If we fail in the area of letting God, allowing God to bless others in the world who are way, way less fortunate than we are, if we miss out on that, then we're going to miss out on one of the greatest blessings of God, not only on those people, but on our church. The sign of a healthy church, one of the major signs, in my opinion, of a healthy church is that we care about people far beyond our property line, far beyond who we are and our church family. And so please, uh, every third Sunday, we kind of emphasize missions. But let me just make this clear. You can give to missions anytime you want to. If third Sunday isn't your best time, that's just when we kind of, that's just when we kind of emphasize it. You can write on an envelope anytime you want to. Uh, I want to give my missions offering. If you give once a month and you want to just go ahead and give your missions offering right at the beginning of the month, that's fine. And you just put it on that envelope and and give it. Some of you made pledges back in February. And uh, we had a missions conference. And we'll be doing that again uh, here in a few months. And uh, some of you who didn't get to make pledges will get to this time. But it doesn't matter whether you made a pledge or not. You can still give to missions. So we ask you to be as generous as you possibly can. And we understand that we're living in tight, difficult times. Uh, But let's make sure that we understand this uh, principle of sowing and reaping. You put that seed in the ground, you're going to reap a crop. I promise you. Um, the, The number for the... Uh, offering, and I haven't mentioned a whole lot about that, the offering fit for a king, because we've just had money that's kept coming in earmarked for that. Right now, we're at over $116,000 between the two churches. Amen. And um, some of you maybe were out that weekend, or you haven't had a chance to contribute to the offering fit for a king. Let me just tell you that that is still open for you to do that. We have not closed the door on that opportunity. So if you feel uh, that you want to participate in that, maybe you were out of town. My my goal was 125,000, 25,000 at the bridge and and 100,000 here at Whitley. We're almost there. We're almost there. We need about $9,000. Some of you who maybe didn't get to give in that, if you'll just earmark it between now and the end of the year for the offering fit for a king, we can still reach our goal. We can still reach it. But you guys are so generous. I just love you. I just think about this economy. I just think about all the bad news we hear and all the stuff. And you guys, out of that, out of that environment, uh, some of you losing your job, some of you having been laid off, some of you hearing rumors where you work that there are going to be layoffs, yet you gave record, record giving. I believe last year we gave somewhere around $80,000 last year. So, so you've almost increased that by, by $36,000, over $36,000. And that's just amazing. And I love you for that. And I thank you so much for that. We are in a series of messages on the topic of anger, anger, and we're calling this how to let off a little steam without getting burned. And, um, you know, all of us get angry in different ways and at different times, and, and our anger comes from different sources and happens for different reasons, but the difference in how uh, in our anger is not whether we're going to get angry or not, because we're all going to have that. 
but how we deal with it. You know, some people blow up and some people clam up when they get angry. Some people express it and some people repress it. Neither one of those are good things to do with anger. You know, a lot of times we think as Christians that one of the uh, uh, best things we can do with anger is just repress it because we think that makes us a better Christian than the one who blows up. But that is not true. That's not true. And so, so um, you say, well, what am I supposed to do with this anger? If I'm not supposed to clam up and I'm not supposed to blow up, what am I supposed to do with it? Well, I'm so glad you asked that because Paul gives us four principles on how to manage anger in our life, how to let off a little steam and not get burned. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. It says, it says three do nots, three do nots in this passage. And, and let me just say this. Paul is talking to the church here. He's talking to the church. Paul is talking to people who have accepted Christ. So the first step in managing anger, the first step in getting anger under the control of the Holy Spirit is that you need to come to Jesus. You need to come to Christ and accept him into your life as your personal Savior. I think sometimes churches really don't make that very clear. And I want to tell you that we are born needing a Savior We are born lost. I'm trying to make you guys really feel good about yourself this morning. You're not born perfect and then you mess up. You're born messed up. Does that make y'all feel better? You're born lost. You're born cut off from God. Now these little babies are covered by grace because they don't understand. But once you come to understand the gospel... You come to understand that you're lost and you come to understand that Jesus is the only way back to God. Then you become responsible for the choices you make. So I'm asking you, I'm going to put it out there this morning. Have you asked Jesus to forgive your sins? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? Have you committed that you will live for Jesus? Have you committed that you will turn your back on sin self and Satan, and that you will look full into the face of Jesus and follow him. There is a Christianese word we use in the Bible, uh, from the Bible. A lot of people don't understand it, but it is the word born again. You're born of woman. Everybody here was born of woman. If you were not born of woman, I'd like to meet you right after the service. Everybody's born of woman, but there is a second birth. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3 of a second birth, to be born of the Spirit. And and you do that by accepting Christ into your life and living for Him. Now listen, people say, no, 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 we're all God's children. No, we're not. The Bible says in the book of Romans that you have to be adopted into the family. You're not automatically a part of God's family. You have to be adopted in. But when you come, whether it's in an altar like this one, or whether it's by a bedside, or whether it's driving down the road, it doesn't matter. Wherever you decide, wherever you decide to say, I've gone as far as I'm going to go, and I am just, it's not working out the way I'm doing it. Jesus, I need you. I'm not running anymore. I'm not offering any more excuses. Come into my life. Save me. Live inside of me. Jesus, I need you in my life. It is at that moment that adoption takes place. And you're adopted into the family of God. So my question is, have you been adopted? 
Have you been adopted? You say, well, I don't know. Well, you will know when you decide and you say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you, God, to be my father. I want to be your child. It is at that moment that you're adopted into the family, okay? So it's really, really important that you make that decision because, see, the people Paul is talking to here in Ephesians, they've made that decision. So Paul's talking to Christians. Paul's talking to a church right here. Paul isn't talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. So that tells me believers have problems with anger. (laughs) They have problems with anger. And y'all look really holy out there this morning. But I know all of us have have anger things, you know, creep up in our life. Stuff makes us angry. We say, oh, we're not supposed to get angry. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your anger do not sin. And that's actually from Psalm 4 and 4. Paul is quoting the Old Testament right there. So it's kind of like God is saying, hey, it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's okay to get ticked off, which is the Greek word for angry. It's okay to get ticked off. It's okay. He says, just don't sin. Just don't sin. Then he goes on to the next part of the verse. It says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So do not sin when you get angry. That's the first do not. The second do not is do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Get it straight before you go to bed that night. And number three, do not give the devil a foothold. So what this is telling us is that when you don't handle anger the way God wanted you to, you're giving the enemy a foothold in your life. You say, yeah, but I just thought you said that these people are Christians. How can Satan have a foothold in your life if you're a Christian? He can. He can. He, taught, he called it a stronghold in another place in the Bible. You can be a Christian, but at the same time, you can have areas that you've not surrendered to God. You've not given over to God. You've not really dealt with in your life that are really rooted in there. And and when you don't deal with those things, they become strongholds. Because here's here's the enemy's plan for you. Listen very carefully to me. The enemy says, if I cannot get them, if I cannot convince them not to become a Christian, if I cannot convince them not to ask Jesus into their heart, I mean, if they go ahead and ask Jesus into their heart, then the next thing I want to do is get a foothold in their life or a stronghold in their life because then I can ruin their testimony and I can ruin their work for God. I mean, he, you can see all through the Bible where he tried to do it. He tried to do it with David back in the Old Testament. He tried to do it with Samson. He tried to do it with uh, Peter in the New Testament and, and was successful in doing it with Judas. And so, and so he wants to do that. He wants to ruin your testimony. Please remember that. Can I say this to you today? Your testimony is so valuable. Your testimony is so precious. Protect your testimony. I've done things in my life to to, uh, uh, threaten my testimony. And how foolish that is. How foolish it is. So what we're talking about here is handling anger in a way that our testimony in the community is not hurt or is not threatened. He says if you don't do this, the enemy will use anger to get a grip, a hook in you. And and even though you're a Christian, you'll never be able to be used by God. So you will never influence the people God meant for you to influence because you've got this stronghold in your life. Does this make any sense? So that's why we as Christians today have to understand that that it it isn't just that we are saved and we ask Jesus to come into our heart, but we need to go beyond that. 
And we need, to, we need to analyze, we need to look inside and say, God, what are the strongholds? What are the footholds the enemy has in my life? Because there is deliverance from them for you. There is deliverance from those things for you. And it can be a lot of things. It can be, um, I mean, he can use insecurity. He can, he can use uh, things that were said to you in your past to keep you from being an effective ministry in the, a minister in the present. He, he'll use abuses that took place in your past, and, and he'll say, okay, you might be a Christian, you might have asked Jesus into your heart, but I'm never going to let you be set free from that abuse that happened to you. And so you will never feel worthy to be a minister of God, and so you really will never influence anybody. To come to Christ. See what? See, he's so subtle. He, listen, he's a master strategist. The enemy's a master strategist. So we have to stay on top of that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me out there? Amen. So this is not a suggestion. And remember, I told you last week when God says "do not," it's not to deprive you; it's to protect you. When God says "do not," thou shalt not. It is not to deprive you; it is to protect you. You know, little babies, you know, they grow up and they say, you know, my mommy wouldn't let me play on Highway 70 and I think it warped my little psyche. No, she wouldn't let you play on Highway 70 because she didn't want you to get killed, hardhead. That's what my mom used to call me, hardhead. And I guess I was. All right. The first principle in managing your anger, we talked about it last week. You got to admit it. When you're angry, admit it. Say it. Stop going, I'm telling you right now, I'm not angry. Stop saying that. I'm not angry, I'm telling you, and I'm not yelling. Stop telling me I'm, and the, you know, these blood vessels, these little things right here, so, you know, they're just all out there, and you're not angry, though. You're not angry. Just say, I'm, I'm, use a Greek word, ticked off. I'm angry. Don't feel guilty about being angry. Don't pretend you're not angry. Admit it because it is possible to be angry and not sin. Okay? All right. The second principle, which is the one we're on today, and we're talking about how to deal with anger, is that you have to understand your anger. Or at least seek to understand your anger. Seek to understand it. God is basically telling us in this message, when you get angry, evaluate it. When you get angry, analyze it. God is saying to us, ask yourself a few questions like, why am I angry about that? Why is that upsetting me? What is really, what is really making me angry? Because a lot of times the thing that we blow up about isn't really what made us angry. It was another thing kind of down deeper. And let me explain that. We discovered last week that when you're angry, it is really a symptom. It's a symptom of one of three things. When you express anger, it's a symptom, a symptom of wounding. Wounding. Being wounded emotionally. Sometimes emotional wounding comes along with physical wounding. So if there's been physical abuse, then then. When there's physical abuse, there's always emotional abuse with that. But I want to tell you that emotional abuse can be, can be just as damaging as physical abuse. Um, uh, and it can happen without physical abuse. Words. Words. I, lo I love what Rick Warren said about that. He said, you hear people say, sticks and stones will break my bones, 
but words will never hurt me. He said, that's untrue. He says, as a matter of fact, if a stick breaks your arm, that arm will heal. But it takes longer for words that cause wounds, for those wounds to heal. It takes a lot longer, and sometimes those wounds never heal. So, so it's important that we understand that emotional wounding, we talked about that last week. Frustration, frustration, when you're frustrated, we'll talk about that today, or when you're afraid. Now, when you're wounded, it can come from rejection or criticism or injustice. Wounding can come from a lot of things. Some abuse in your past life, it can come from that. So make sure you, you analyze, look back, and deal with that. And listen, I'm not trying to talk you into a wound. You ever felt like somebody was trying to talk you into being wounded? Oh, if you're not wounded, you're just not with it. You know? You know, it's all like a popular, my wound's bigger than your wound, you know. <laughs> I'm not trying to talk you into a wound, but I am trying to get you who refuse to believe that that's possible for you. I'm telling you something, if there's a bunch of anger in your life, if there's a bunch of anger going on in your life, that I can almost promise you 100% that somewhere back you were wounded. And some, some men who are so tough and gruff and rough and they go around just saying mean things and saying mean things to their family and mean things to people around them. And people go, boy, you got to watch that guy. He's, he's a piece of work. But somewhere in that, in that man who's all macho and big and muscles now, some, somewhere back when he was about five, six, seven, eight years old, some stuff was done to him, said to him. And he may have grown up in it for years and became that hard man became that difficult man. So, so when you see people like that, don't try to see through that so you won't be offended and see the hurt. Y'all with me out there? See that hurt. All right, let's talk about frustration. Frustration. Um, can I just tell y'all that there are times in life when things just don't really go like you thought they would? Write that down. I mean, y'all have times in your life when nothing, honestly, man, nothing goes right. I mean, you can tell by 10.30 in the morning, I should have stayed in bed. And you go, maybe you make it to 1 o'clock, you're like, I'm going home and go back to bed, but you're afraid if you do, the bed will fall and you will break your leg. I mean, it's that kind of day. Have y'all had a day like that? Seriously, where you go, is there a camera on me? Am I on candid camera here? I mean, what else can break? What else can fall apart? What else can mess up? I mean, you can, not big stuff, maybe, or, or, or you know, life-changing stuff, but I mean, you just get up, you know, button falls off your shirt, you know, you pull the string on your shoes, it breaks, you, you, you go in there and get a cup of coffee, and when you put it up to your mouth to drink right before you leave home, it runs down on your newly clean, starch white shirt, and you're like, what's going on? You look around and see if the devil's in the house. Y'all been there? I mean, really, nothing goes the way you planned. Y'all remember Murphy's Law, what can go wrong, will go wrong? You ever felt like, boy, Murphy's Law is in effect today? Now look, you can have moments like that, moments. You can have days, weeks, y'all with me? You can have months. You ever said, I had a bad month, I had a bad month last month. You ever said that? 
You ever go on, boy, last year, last year. And then we get spiritual. We start using spiritual terms. When it gets longer in the year, we go, I just went through a bad season. It was just a bad season. <laughs> I've said that because <laughs> it's true. You know, you look back and you go, man, the last three years have been. And then you'll go through times in your life when it's awesome on one end and hellacious on the other end. I mean, you got some really, really, really good things happening on one end and some really, really, really difficult things happening on the other end. So, so when we're frustrated, though, whether it's for a moment or for a year or for a season, um, we, um, we often express that frustration with anger. Anger. And we can just have this overall spirit of anger. I mean, if people are walking up to you going, um, hello. <laughs> I mean, get a hint, dude. Everybody's scared. Everybody, you know, if, if pastor comes up, you can go, sup. I mean, we're all scared because every time every, something isn't said to you just right, you're like, <sighs> and it comes out of our frustration. Some people like that, and they don't even realize they're like that. Let me give you some causes of frustration. Again, wounded, broken relationships. You know, you could have been working on a relationship that got messed up with a friend or maybe in a marriage or with one of your children or whatever, and it's just broken. And it's that thing's just working on you, and you say it's not. You say it's not bothering you. But, but it's kind of like that guy who was saying, I'm not angry. You know, it's not bothering me. I'm telling you, it's not bothering me. It is bothering you, and you won't deal with it. How about parenting? Anybody get frustrated with parenting? Woo! Um, how about debt? Being in debt. I'll tell you, married couples especially, when you're in debt, and, and, and I know we're going through this economic stuff where we're up one day and down the next day. Some of you are hurting in that area. I'm going to tell you, you're, you're going to want to take it out on some easy targets. And those easy targets are your spouse and your children. You've got to be really, really careful about that. You can be frustrated about debt, but don't look to blame. Don't look to blame anybody. Issues your, with your occupation or career. I mean, you, you work in some places where you get up in the morning and you just really hate to go to work. You can't stand it. Just be really careful that that doesn't bleed over into how you treat other people. Okay? Does this make sense? Issues at church. Now, not this one, of course. But other churches, how many of you know the church can be one of the most frustrating places in the world? It can. I mean, some of the biggest hurts I've ever, ever experienced, some of the biggest hurts you've ever experienced in your life happened in, in church. And church can be a source of frustration. Jesus is not a source of frustration, but the church can be. Sense of failure, if you feel like a failure, uh, a sense of being treated unfairly, these are causes of frustration. Um, Criticism or being demeaned, shamed, feeling shamed. Whew. Be really, really, really careful that you're not shaming people. Don't, 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 and you know, I've embarrassed people and I didn't mean to, but don't embarrass people as a tactic of control or to show them you're smarter than they are or whatever it is you're doing. Don't shame people. Come on. Don't embarrass people. 
don't, I mean, we all have done that and then go, man, I'm so sorry I embarrassed you. I didn't mean to embarrass you. But that, that's a different thing because you come and you, and you ask forgiveness. And when you know you shame somebody or you know you embarrass somebody, man, go right then. Go right then and go, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did that. Because that, see, that shame and that embarrassment is not deep yet. But if it goes unresolved, it, go, it just gets deeper. The roots get down further. So what does Barney Fife say? Nip it in the bud, man. So if you see that you embarrass somebody or shame somebody, man, deal with that right now. Y'all listening out there? Deal with that right now. I'll tell you something. If we'll do that in our families and in our church, we'll all get along so much better. Because when you feel embarrassed, you want to strike back. When you feel shamed, you either want to go crawl in a hole somewhere and not to be seen again, or you want to go, is that right? And then you want to go, you know, and embarrass somebody back. And then, we got, <laughs> then we've got major um, division. Um, feeling neglected. Uh, one of the most frustrating things in the world that we'll face is when we feel like we're doing our responsibility in caring for somebody and taking care of somebody's needs, but we feel like they don't care about our needs. This happens a lot in marriages. And uh, a couple, uh, somebody in that couple will feel neglected or both of them will feel neglected. And so, so that will cause a tremendous frustration. Feeling misunderstood. Have you ever felt like nobody understood you? Nobody? I mean, you know, you go to bed at night and you go, God, you're the only one who understands me. And then God goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, you know, boy, that feels lonely, don't it? <laughs> I mean, I've almost felt like sometimes God didn't understand either. But God always understands. But, but I mean, you've had feelings or you've had um, things you were frustrated about or things you wanted to talk to people about. When you brought it up, they were like, that's no big deal. But it was a big deal to you. So you felt like nobody understood kind of what you were going through. Um, feeling hurried or rushed. Do y'all realize, you used to talk about the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. Can I tell you, it's hustle and bustle 365 now. They should call Highway 70 Talladega. I mean, I can get on Highway 70 and be calm, and all of a sudden, man, I am in, I am in Dale Earnhardt mode. You say, you ain't telling me nothing, Pastor. You've passed me many times. Uh, unrealistic expectations placed on you. You ever had somebody go, you know, if you're going to keep your job here, you got to do this, this, this. And it's just impossible what they've put on you. It's just impossible. It's frustrating. So when you get frustrated, you need to ask yourself two questions. Let's go through this quickly. Number one, when you get frustrated and you're about to react, you're about to react, you're about to react to that frustration, you need to ask yourself, if I get angry about this, is it going to change it? Is it going to change the situation? The situation is going to change it. Sometimes we fuss and fume and make things worse in the present because of something that happened in the past that we really can't do that. We get back there and just pull that up, you know. And there you're like, no need to get mad about that now. No need to get because um, it cannot be changed. If you can't fix something, listen, listen, listen. If you can't fix something or reverse it or change it, then why make the present miserable by bringing that thing? That happened in the past, dragging it up here into the present. Now, I do it. I'm not standing up here like I don't do it. I do that. Y'all do that. But I'm just saying, if we preach on it and talk about it, maybe we will do it less. If you can't erase the past, then what's done is done. If you can't change the situation, then why get angry about it? Now, if you can change it, and sometimes you're in a situation where you're frustrated about something you can change, 
then, then don't get mad because when you get mad and, and it's something you can change, you're wasting a lot of energy and you're wasting a lot of creativity because we get really creative when we're mad, don't we? And we're wasting a lot of creativity and a lot of uh, our energy and a lot of our verbal communication. We're wasting it in anger when if we would put it on the problem in the situation, it would be better served to correct it or to turn it around or to change it and get it like it needs to be. So when you're feeling like getting angry, take, you know, count to 10, take some deep breaths and go, can I change this? And if you can change it, don't waste your energy on anger. Does that make any sense? And for instance, you know, a flat tire, I hate flat tires. I've never gotten a flat tire and went, thank God that happened now. You know, they're always inconvenient. I've never had a flat tire that was convenient. I mean, if it happens on my day off, I go, on my day off, i got to change a flat tire. If it happens on a day I'm really busy, I'm like, of all days, I'm so busy, you know, so it's never a good time. I never have had a flat tire and go, what a great day for a flat tire. This is great. This is awesome. Never. But fussing and fuming and griping about a flat tire has never gotten the flat tire changed. It never has. I mean, I've stood over it and just like force of anger toward that tire, and it just sits there. It doesn't get air in it. It doesn't get patched. Y'all see what I'm saying? So when you get frustrated, ask yourself, will getting angry change anything? The second thing, excuse me. Second thing you want to ask yourself is, is it really worth being upset over? Is it worth it? I mean, as humans, we're, we have an exceptional ability to exaggerate our irritations. Down here in the South, here's a phrase I hear down here in the South all the time. It's the worst it's ever been. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. It's the worst. You know, dry weather, yeah, it's never been this dry. We got a lot of rain. We've never, I've been living 114 years and I'm only 87, but we've never had this kind of rain. It's the worst it's ever been, y'all. You know what I'm saying? And, and I mean, whoever you talk to, whatever they're going through, this is the most terrible thing I've ever been through in my life. And so you got to ask yourself, is it worth being upset over? Stop exaggerating your irritation. Sometimes the thing that you are really, really, really mad about, and you're about to cause this big division with your friends, big division with your wife, big division with your husband, big division with your children, is nothing. It's some little piddly thing that is nothing. But we blow up about it. You're driving down the road, you know, somebody almost runs you off the road. I don't know about y'all. When stuff like that happens, I just talk to the person who did it. I just talk to them. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Shouldn't give blind people driver's license. You know, stuff like that. And, and I'm sorry, Tony. You all right? Okay. <laughs> Tony said, look, if Tony got out, he'd probably be one of the best drivers on Highway 70. But, um, uh, you know, you, it, it's like, why, why get angry over something you can't change? And, I, you know, I hate for Millie to hear this part of my sermon because we're going to get home and she's going to say, I cannot believe you preached on that. You're the world's worst at that. But, but I do. I do talk to people um, when I'm driving. And if you all see me going down the road and I'm talking, I'm really, it's pr- I probably am not praying. But I would like for you to think <laughs> that that's what I'm doing. They just can't freak out. Because I'm going to tell you something, man. If you get into some road rage, you can get hurt and hurt somebody. I mean, when you retaliate, you could retaliate against a psychopath. 
didn't you? I mean, a guy showed me his gun one time. I said, that's nice. <laughs> showed me his gun. I don't You said it might have been a pelican. I don't care what. It's like a snake. It don't matter to me what kind of snake or gun it is. I'm moving. You ever been to a Little League baseball game? Y'all remember when Little League baseball games used to be fun? They're the World Series. Every game's the World Series now. Every game. If you don't believe it, the parents come, buddy. They're coming. They're, I mean, they're, they're going to the gym and working out, and they're getting ready. You know what they're getting ready for? A lot of the parents you see at the gym, they're getting ready for Little League because they're going to fight. They're going to take a ref out. They're going to take another parent out. They're going to take a coach out. It's crazy. You've seen some of the video clips they show of parents jumping on, and the little kids are standing there just looking at them, you know. Man, you know, I wish all the kids would just get in and start to walk off, and the parents go, where are y'all going? They go, y'all are crazy, man. We're going to get ice cream. Kids don't even care. They don't even care who won or lost. It's the mamas and daddies making big stuff out of little stuff. So what does it take to get you upset? What does it take? I got to tell you, man, there are people I'm really, really careful around because they get upset so easily over the littlest things. Smallest thing. So I, I, I'm going to just be real honest with you. I avoid people like that. I avoid people like that. And I, because I, um, I'm really uncomfortable in their presence. And, and if you're like that and you don't know it, uh, it's probably really hard for somebody to tell you. It's probably really, really hard for somebody to tell you you're like that. So you need to ask yourself, what does it take to upset me? Somebody said this. They said, you can determine the size of a person's character by what it takes to upset them. One fellow wrote in an old proverb, he wrote, a small pot boils fastest. And what that means is a person with a small mind, a person who's very, very selfish, they get angry quicker than anybody else. So what does it take to upset you? You just blow up at any little thing. Can I just give you this big piece of news this morning? Frustrations are inevitable. You're going to have frustrations every day, every day of your life. You've got to learn to accept them. You've got to learn to accept them. You've got to learn that some of them are not worth it. And you've got to learn that getting angry about some things just doesn't help. And you're just wasting good, good, good energy on a bad situation that doesn't need to uh, have that waste. Let me give you one more thing, then we're done. Another thing that causes anger is uh, being scared, being real fearful. Or insecurity, being insecure. Uh, when you feel frightened or threatened in some way. Um, I got two little kitty cats and they're just as nice as they can be, but you back them up in a corner and they'll scratch you. I mean, they're sweet. I got one named Grady. He lays down on my feet and goes to sleep. You know, he loves my shoes. And uh, he just lays on my feet. I mean, he's just the sweetest little cat. If you came over with your kids, he'd just walk up to them. They could pet him. But if you get him in the corner, he thinks you're going to hurt him. He will scratch you. I know. <laughs> I know he will. He does not like for you to um, spray stuff in his ears. Write that down. Uh, <laughs> you know, he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like a bath. He doesn't like that. And uh, he turns into another cat. It's because they think you're going to hurt him. They feel threatened. They feel insecure. They're scared. They strike back. When we're frightened, we get defensive. When we think somebody's going to embarrass us, when, especially when we feel insecure. And I'm going, to be really, I'm going to be really transparent with you all here this morning. There are times when my confidence level is up here. And then there are days my confidence level is down here. 
Sometimes I, I'm not as, uh, sometimes I feel more insecure on some days than I do other days. I don't know. Sometimes I can't figure out why I feel that way some day, days. I don't feel that way other days. Sometimes I know why. If I've had a failure or there's been some criticism or something like that or, or got my feelings hurt. And By the way, pastors can get their feelings hurt just like everybody else. And if I get my feelings hurt, sometimes I'm a little insecure. And when we get insecure, I'm going to tell you something that happens. We misinterpret. We misinterpret stuff. When I'm insecure, I can walk in and you can tease me and I might be a little bit stung. That might sting me a little bit if I'm going through an insecure time. But if I'm going through a real secure time, it doesn't sting at all. It doesn't bother me at all. Y'all understand that? You ever come to church and somebody teases you, a little teasing, friendly teasing, and, and it's fine, but you come to church another time and somebody teases you and it's like, pow. You know, you just didn't like it. You just didn't, it was just like, I don't like that. You know, another time it would have been fine. So we have to understand, you know, kind of where we are in that. And insecurity really means you're afraid. Here, here's what insecurity really means. It means you're afraid somebody's going to embarrass you. You're afraid you're going to get embarrassed. Or you're afraid you're going to be made to look bad. Um, in one book I was reading, it said this. It said, when you're insecure... You're easily scared, and when you're scared, you feel threatened, and when you're threatened, you strike back. When we're insecure, we don't judge things right. We don't judge things correctly. For instance, if a person is, um, uh, you know, doesn't notice you, let's say church again. You come to church, and a person doesn't say hello. If you're kind of low that day and you're feeling insecure, that can be very offensive to you. You could come another time and they not say hello. When you're feeling really good about yourself, you can come and you didn't, you didn't even think about it. So we just have to understand how we are in that area. So God says, if you want to overcome fear, number one, you got to admit it. Number two, you got to understand it. And what you need to understand about fear is this. It comes from wounding. It comes from wounding. It comes from frustration. And it comes from being scared. It comes from feeling threatened. Okay, very, very, very important. And uh, so let's let God just put this in our spirit today. Now, now, how many of y'all know that this teaching today, and, and look, it's not fair hard, it's the word of God, this teaching that if we will practice this teaching, how many of you know that our church will be in better harmony? Our church will work in harmony. And, and all churches, all organizations of any kind, churches included, have moments when everybody's kind of on one page, and then they have moments, and they go through seasons when, you know, everybody's kind of going in different directions, and we don't know what's going on, and people are kind of hurt, and there's d division. What we got to do as a church, what we got to do as a church is give each other space to not be perfect, okay? When you demand perfection, and you demand everybody respond to you the way you want them to and act like you want them to, then that same demand is going to be made on you. And then all of a sudden, we got all kind of division. So let's give each other, you know, if Pastor Farrell doesn't act right one Sunday or, or some of your friends who are one way one Sunday and then the next Sunday they hardly spoke, or just, just say, you know what, that is not about me. That's not about me. If you think it really is about you, just call them and say, listen, are we okay? I just want to make sure we're, oh, yeah, we're fine. I just, I'm going through blah, blah, blah. And you go, listen, I'm praying for you. And give each other some space not to be perfect. Okay? Y'all with me on that? That's so important. So important. Father, thank you for the wisdom of your word.
The wisdom of your word, God. Thank you for the wisdom of your word. Help us to not just hear it today, as I always pray on Sunday morning, but help us to be doers of this word. Help us to go out now and practice what we've heard. We, we give you our lives. You, we, we've been studying that whatever we want you to bless, we dedicate it to you. So right now, we just dedicate our lives to you. We give our lives to you so that you will put your hand on us because we want to be blessed by you. We pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, listen, if anybody wants to talk about the message or you want to ask me any questions about anything that's happened today, please come up right now, and I'll hang around here. Those of you who are our guest, make sure you pick up your gift and information bag right back there at the Guest Welcome Center before you leave. God bless you.